Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. This is John Katsimatidis and TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. What else could happen this week? And uh, we had a great show yesterday. We have an even better show today. And John, we were on the air when it broke. It was on, we were alive <laughs> on the air when, as it was happening. So the question today is, what's going to happen in the studio today? We have J- Judge Richard Weinberg. We have uh, Rudy, first Deputy Mayor or Deputy Mayor Rudy Washington, and we have. Uh, Governor, I hate to say former. I'm never going to say former. Governor David Governor Patterson. David Patterson, Rita Cosby on my right, and and there there's so many things that we that we're going to be able to talk about. Uh, we're fired we're, up. We're fired up. We're ready. We think. We hope you guys are fired up. And the one thing I just heard as breaking news when when Bob Brown was doing it that Trump is coming in on Monday night to Trump Tower. Why? Uh, by the way, I'm why, not surprised. Why set it up the night before and and and, and have commotion outside of Trump Tower? He, I can't understand it. I think it's wrong. Well, see, I think he wants to come in. He said he wants to march through the front door. He has nothing to hide, and that's why he's going for it. That's what that's that is that is typical. I Trump. understand we have with a time limit, Alan Dershowitz, because thirty eight people want him. Yeah, at least. By the way, let's go to Alan Dershowitz, of course, the great Harvard Law School emeritus professor, one of the best constitutional experts out there. Professor Dershowitz, you had some really interesting stuff saying Trump should change venue basically for the trial. You suggested Staten Island. Yeah, well, first of all, President Trump called me the other day and uh, wanted my advice. Um, he loved my book, Get Trump. He urged everybody to read it. And he said, I hope one day I'll get you to vote for me. But even if you don't vote for me, I love your book. Get Trump really predicted all of this that was going on. He said, what's your advice? And I said, my advice is to invest in a T-shirt company that puts mugshots on the front of the T-shirt because your mugshot will be the best-selling T-shirt since Frank Sinatra's back in the 1950s. And he laughed and he said he might do that. And just before uh, or after he was indicted? Before he was indicted. He thought he expected to be indicted. He said it would be in a couple of days. Well, what he didn't know is that another crime has been committed right in front of right in front of Bragg's nose, under his watch, in his building. And that is somebody leaked this grand jury indictment, which is a felony, a class E felony. It wasn't Trump or his team. They were shocked by it. Obviously, it was either somebody in Bragg's office, which he doesn't want to investigate, or somebody in the grand jury, which he doesn't want to investigate. So we're seeing a cover up right in front of us. We have a felony committed right there. And as far as we know, Bragg isn't investigating it. Instead, he's busy making up a crime that didn't occur in order to get Trump. And that is really, really a distortion of justice. How dangerous is this, do you think, to the justice system? I think it's outrageous because if the name was not Trump, you know that Bragg wouldn't be looking into it. Well, you know, the Bible says to prosecutors and judges, two rules, don't take a bribe. But the second one is more important. Don't recognize faces. Don't ever, ever prosecute people based on who they are. What happened here is Bragg and James ran 
as Democrats on the promise to get Trump because he was running against the chief Democrat. And when you're going after a presidential candidate, you darn well better have the strongest case imaginable. So maybe when the indictment is unsealed, it will have a videotape of Donald Trump shooting somebody on Fifth Avenue the way he said he could do. But absent that videotape, if this is about Stormy Daniels, we don't know what's in the indictment. We have to wait. But if it's about Stormy Daniels, if it's about failing to make a proper entry in corporate records, it's a scandal. You don't go after the president's leading contender opponent on the basis of a Mickey Mouse charge. Governor Patterson. Alan, I wanted to ask you about the grand jury process itself. I think it's and I know. This is the word overrated. In other words, overrated. it is not hard to get 23 people in a room and get a majority of them when the other side can't even make a presentation to get an indictment. But then the indictment is waved around as if it's this lethal weapon, which it really rarely is. And to it's convict not. someone. Go ahead. It's just a charging instrument. And um, the former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, shouldn't be saying essentially that Trump has to now prove his innocence. It's look, the grand jury has totally distorted the meaning. When the grand jury was put in the Fifth Amendment, it was designed to protect the defendant from an overzealous prosecutor. Instead, prosecutors taken over the grand jury. Grand jury today is 23 chairs moved around. Of course, as Wachler famously said, a prosecutor can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. Here's my problem. A prosecutor can get a petty jury in New York to convict a ham sandwich named Donald Trump. And let me tell you why, from my personal experience, I defended Trump on the Senate floor. You know that. And then I lost all my friends in Martha's Vineyard. One of my friends said, you committed social suicide. Nobody will ever speak to you again. If anybody speaks to you, they're committing social suicide. Imagine what would happen if a judge, an elected judge in New York, throughout this case, nobody would ever talk to him. He'd never get appointed to a higher position. What if a juror voted for acquittal? Nobody would ever talk to him. They'd walk out of the gym as they walked out of the gym when my wife came into the gym one day. So in New York City, you cannot get a fair trial. This case must be moved to Staten Island, to Rockland County, to upstate New York. But it cannot be conducted in Manhattan where there's not a chance of a fair trial. Agreed. Uh, I have one other question, uh, uh, Mr. Dershowitz. Does that mean in 50 states in a zillion counties in those 50 states, they can indict anybody? Yeah, there's no, there's really no check and balance. In some states, a governor can fire, as in New York, a governor can fire the district attorney, but obviously this governor is not going to do that. He's going to be a hero in New York City, and, you know, it will help him get reelected. He's, after all, followed a campaign pledge. It should be unethical. I think it is unethical for any prosecutor to run on, I'm, going to get somebody i'm getting trump you know the book get trump it's not an original title with me it's a campaign slogan that letitia james and bragg ran on get trump and now they think they got him because they got 23 or 12 grand jurors uh to indict and they may very well get a conviction if it's in manhattan but there has to be a check on alan to be perfectly honest with you i don't think they can get a conviction even in manhattan really Judge, oh, Judge, no. Judge Weinberg, uh, Alan, a couple of points. Number one, the problem is the, the jury pool 
And if they move yeah. for a change of venue based on what you've been talking about, they have to go before Judge Juan Marchand and Trump foolishly went after him and attacked him. Yeah, that tell everybody bad, what he did. Tell well, everybody what Trump he said. Trump went out and he, he said that he hated, he said, this judge hates me and the whole record is there and I can't get a, I can't get a fair trial. Well, Trump you know, should be quiet on this. No, he shouldn't have been quiet. He should have said that this judge was handpicked by the prosecutor. Well, that should not, always... Alan, Alan, that's, but I'm, I'm telling you, having sat in Supreme Court in Manhattan, that's, yeah. the prosecutor does not pick get, this judge. How did he get the, how did the judge? It comes out, of, it comes out of the wheel. No, it's random. I'm no, told, no, well, no, you better check that. I'm okay. told this was a related case. No, but, but, but no, you're right. I say initially it comes out of the wheel oh, for the finance guy, and because it's a related case. So no, it's not hand, any, so. Any case can be made related by the prosecutor. The prosecutor is the one who says, it's related. So I think he had an impact on picking this judge. I think it ought to go back in the wheel and let him pick another judge. I don't think that the same judge should be sitting on two cases that are related. That's a bad reason for having a judge in a case. Not a good reason. But it gives the prosecutor too much power. But this totally under, but this prosecution, Alan, totally undermines the people's faith in, in the rule of law. And that's the real cost of this and prosecution. It and it should. And it should. And we should be very skeptical about a case where a prosecutor runs for a first of all, it should be unethical for any prosecutor to run for office saying, I will get somebody, you know, even the Bible, you go back to the Bible, it gives two instructions to judges and prosecutors. One, don't take bribes. That's obvious. The second is low takir panim. Do not recognize faces. Never do justice based on who the person is or injustice. You must wear that blindfold. And, of course, Bragg took the blindfold off. It was only because the guy's name was Trump. He only recognized faces. He didn't base this indictment on the evidence or on the law. He had to make that up. He based it on a campaign promise to get Trump. As Justice Jackson said once, prosecutors can rummage through the statute books and any prosecutor can find something to prosecute him on. Stalin to uh, Lavrenti Beria, show me the man and I'll find you the crime. This well, is not the way the American system should work. Professor, Deputy Mayor uh, Rudy Washington. Professor, um, you know, Governor Patterson, you know, called me a shade tree attorney. So I'm going to ask you a legal question. <laughs> oh, that's a new one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Two lawyers negotiate an NDA and the client. A non-disclosure uh, agreement. Right. A non-disclosure agreement. And the client uh, pays it through legal fees. Um I'm trying to understand what's illegal about that. There's nothing illegal about it. And if you take Bragg seriously, what he expects is you pay $130,000 to get somebody's silence. You buy their science. That's legal. Then he says you're supposed to put in your public corporate forms. Oh, by the way, the hush fund that I paid to keep this secret from my wife, <laughs> the reason I paid it is to keep it secret from my wife because I had an adulterous affair with a porn star. Sure. It is the most idiotic statement imaginable. Nobody has ever done that, and nobody has ever been professor, let's, <laughs> professor, let Professor, let's set aside yeah. the Edwards case in North Carolina for a second. Yeah. Yeah. And let's say that uh, President Trump did pay uh, the $130,000 out of his campaign fund. Yeah. What would be the natural assumption of a lot of people? Well, the natural assumption would be that the only reason he did it is to get elected. But when you have a wife, when you have children, and particularly in this case, when you have business investments all over the world, 
you do not want a public disclosure that you paid money to a porn store. So the government has to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the only reason that he paid this hush money was to affect his campaign. So my, my, point, my point would have been that paying it out of the campaign fund, one everyday man would think he's guilty. Negotiating an yeah. NDA with, with your lawyer, and he's still guilty. So right. what is the win for Trump? He, he can't win either way. Well, he can't win in the court of public opinion. Exactly. But not to be guilty legally, so he can win. He's not going to win in the trial court. Here, here we have some disagreement. I think it's going to be very hard for even a brilliant lawyer to persuade jurors that this guy didn't do anything uh, criminal. I think they would convict him if you know for spitting on the street. Um, but uh, I think an appellate court will reverse. Uh, I don't yeah. think this will ever, uh, ever be a sustained conviction. Professor Allen, I didn't think that there was a majority of jurors that would vote for acquittal. I'm just telling you, I think there'd be enough. There are, yeah. you put 12 yeah. people in a room, uh, two or three of them would have a conscience and would not vote to well, uh, convict you, you this candidate. You have a better sense of uh, conscience in the days of Donald Trump. My experience is that when it comes to Donald Trump, this Trump derangement syndrome is real because I know my friends who are decent, reasonable people. They are so angry at me for saying what I say on television. They know it's right, but they don't want me to say it. They don't want me to do anything that in any way seems to help Donald Trump. They are so completely committed and so monomaniacal about this. And I wonder if and professor, professor, it's too bad that uh, Voltaire passed away. He'd have been great on the jury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We got to take a break. <laughs> professor, thank you so much for telling the American people the truth. Uh, we're going to have to take a break and let's pray for common sense in America, common sense in New York and have a great weekend. Amen. Good. Thank you, professor. Let's take that break. And, and when we come back, we're going to find out how the heck is the economy going? We got Steve Moore to tell us. And then Melissa DeRosa, there's some stuff going on in Albany. She might have her ear to the uh, to the ground. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. And how the heck is the economy going? We're supposed to have Steve Moore. Steve Moore with us? Yes, he is. Steve, how the heck is the economy going? Uh, your, your, your brother, uh, Larry Cudlow's away. You're, you're substituting for him today. What's going on? <laughs> well, those are big shoes to fill. I read, uh, Hi, Steve. I, uh, John, good to be with you guys. Um, you know, still in a precarious position. I mean, uh, it looks like the worst of the banking crisis might be over for now, and the, and the fear of a you know contagion that we were all worried about back uh, you know a couple of weeks ago. It looks like that's going to be tame, uh, but I think that at the same time, uh, you look at the you know the, the inflation numbers came in a little better, but they're still persistently high in that four to six. The seven percent range, I, I, Steve. So, I did say, give it a few months. Let things, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that the. Fed, I've been more right than wrong, the, Steve. The, yeah, the numbers that came out this morning, I think, make the case that you've been making that there's no real necessity for another rate hike at this point. Uh, and I know you've been all over that story, John. And it looks like you've been right because the inflation rate is coming down, not as fast as I'd like to see it. But it is coming down, and energy prices have fallen a bit as yes. well. Yes, and let me ask you another question: Is another shoe going to fall 
and I'm the first one that's going to be saying this. I don't think you've heard this anyplace else. The banks having to tighten up their balance sheet and with the FDIC and all the federal regulators breaking their, I say, breaking their balls. Okay. <laughs> the cojones. Their, their, their testicles. Uh, and, 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 and most of them are going to stop lending. Well, how is that going to affect the rest of the damn economy in the, in the country with the rest of the companies? Yeah, look, what worries me most about the banking industry right now is, first of all, the blame really is personally on some of these banks that made really bad decisions. But there's also, you know, the bank regulators were a bit asleep at the switch. And, you know, there's no industry that's more regulated than the banking industry. And so, you know, you have to look at these regulators and giving, you know, a clean bill of health to some of these banks. And then two weeks later, they're in you know, near bankruptcy. The other thing I really worry about, uh, John, and I'd love your reaction to this because you, you, know, you do a lot of banking, is that I, I worry that the big four banks, you know, Citibank and J.P. Morgan. They're closed for business. They're what? They're closed for business. Well, they're, number one, they're closed for business. But number two, you know, we're moving towards a regime where more and more of the smaller banks are being bought up by the bigger banks. And, you know, I long for the old days of Jimmy Stewart and the, uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the community bank down the street that knew the businesses and knew the people. And now you're getting much more consolidation in banking. And what that might mean is you're going to get a big uh, kind of incestuous relationship between big business, big banks and big government, Rita. Well, you know what? Also, I want to ask you about some of these woke policies. And we heard about it with Signature yeah. Bank. Um, oh, there was course. some. Did you see this big news today, Steve Moore, that uh, 21 attorneys general are warning banks that they may threaten legal action over woke policies or maybe a mass lawsuit saying, you know what, you got to focus on money, not woke policies. Well, they're not going to lend at all. So what does that difference that make? That's I mean, true. That's forget true. about lending to oil companies. They're not going to lend to anybody. I know. John, you're right. Tell me, John, tell me how these banks are going to make money if they're not going to do any lending. They're going to maintain what they have and try to, you know what happened when the Fed raised their rates so high, so fast, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the banks and nobody realized what was going on and the bond portfolios and the real estate values went down, which brought yeah. them below the desirable, desirable uh, place where they wanted to be and the Fed wanted them to be. Well, and that, by the way, means that, you know, if the value of those properties go down, then the, then the you know, risk of, for, you know, um, mortgage foreclosure goes up. I mean, look, we're not out of the woods yet. And the, don't forget, you know, we were a year ago, the federal funds rate was 0.5 percent. Now it's 5 percent. I mean, that's a, that's one of the steepest increases in interest rates wow. that we've seen in American history. And it has, you know, caused a bit of havoc in the <clears> industry. But your point, um, Rita, about the ESG is really an important one because, you know, my column this week was called, uh, and it got a lot of attention, it was called, Honey, We Shrink People's, uh, We Shrunk the American People's uh, Pension Plans. And so, you know, people spent their whole life, um, you know, building up a retirement saving nest egg. And then these pension funds and then these, you know, big uh, investment houses are playing politics with their pensions and they're not getting the returns they should. And, and in my opinion, that is a violation of their fiduciary duty to their clients. But moreover, you, then you get Biden who vetoes a bill by Congress, a bipartisan bill that would have said no more ESG. You know, do your fiduciary duty and get the best return. Steve, for that, that's a, that's a different war to be fought because uh, uh, 
that was a stupid thing for President Biden to do. It was. We got we got I time agree. for one more question. Yeah. Steve, Rooting, Steve Rooting. before you run, could you tell uh, uh, the Amer- our country what it means to lose the dollar as the reserve yeah. currency? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me how many home runs Aaron Judge was going to hit home this year. No, no. <laughs> he did well yesterday. <laughs> John was there, by the way. John was John was rooting him on there yesterday. One hundred and sixty-two. If he keeps up the they pace, had the best hot dogs I've ever had. In Ooh, they're always good. So you, you, you guys are blowing up my one minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got thirty seconds. Should, 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 Should we let him talk, John? Thirty seconds. <laughs> you notice, Rita? I'm trying to avoid answering his question. I did. You're doing a very good job. But go ahead. What's going to happen? We're in deep crap. I'll answer the question. I'll, I'll accept that answer. We're in deep crap if that happens. And, and the $30 trillion we owe, we're going to end up paying uh, $4 trillion in interest alone. Steve, uh, they filibust me. So we're just calling. You know why, why the dollars can be fine? Because it's the least rotten apple in the cart. You're right. Steve Moore, I'll be listening to you on WABC tomorrow. Larry Cudlow from 10 to 1. More money. Well, Larry Cudlow from 10 to 1 and Steve Moore from 1 to 2. I'll listen to you tomorrow. Let's go to our next guest. Thank you, uh, Steve. We love you, Steve. Thank you. And now let's go to the big topic of Albany, of course, with the budget. Let's go to Melissa DeRosa. Melissa, I understand they are starting to have almost fistfights up there between the Senate, the uh, uh, the, the uh, Assembly, and the governor. The, the, the governor has told the Senate that she wants to be governor. What does that mean? What's going on? So she wants to be governor. She should have wanted to be governor all along. Um, but obviously this power struggle that's been playing out since she came into office with the judge, with her election, you know, she's perceived as very weak across the board. This is sort of her do or die, her next kind of, you know, showdown at the OK Corral. And, you know, at this point, she's holding out on bail. She is basically staking her entire governorship on bail and she'll get something. The question is going to be what if and we don't get. People- Melissa, if we don't get the right thing, you might as well roll up the streets in New York because everybody else is going to leave. Well, and and the thing is, John, from the the folks I'm talking to in the legislature up in Albany, it sounds like at this point the best the legislature is willing to do is the equivalent of giving her ice in winter. So (laughs) they're saying, you know, we'll, we'll clarify things. If judges think they don't have certain discretion on things we believe we already gave them discretion on, we'll clean up some of that language. But we're not going to do more than that. And the truth is, she really needs to get the dangerousness standard. That is the holy grail. She's never going to get it. That's my prediction. The fallback is getting rid of least restrictive, which sort of ties the judge's hands. You've got to use the least restrictive method of of holding someone after they're charged with a crime. And she's not going to get that either. I'm, I'm predicting she won't get that either. I think maybe they'll throw her some crumbs get rid of least restrictive at the end of the day well, on a that, couple of violent crimes and put lipstick on a pig and call it a win. Wow. And, well, you know, I was going to let Judge Weinberg talk, but I'm going to go to David Patterson. David, can, can she put a halt to things? No, she really, <clears throat> I'm sorry, she really can't. And the what I think about is that this discussion that's occurring on March 31st should have taken place in December when she had a lot more options to try to get the legislature to do what she needed than she has now. You know, Governor, you, you, you're you nailing it. And you, this was what happened with LaSalle, too. Right at the very end, she was scrambling. She was trying to get people to make phone calls for her the night before. 
she has Bloomberg, you know, spend $5 million on ads starting a week ago. It's like, this was the kind of stuff you needed to do three months ago. And today, the legislature went home. Tomorrow is April 1st. It is their constitutional obligation to get a budget done by April 1st. And they, but you know, are basically flipping her the bird and heading out of town. And <laughs> wow. Saying, no, we'll now, now, Melissa, when we want to get it done. Y- you and I have seen a lot of ads. I was surprised that in one of the ads, they said, call and say thank you to the governor for whatever it was she did. I I didn't think as an elected official you needed to be thanked. You just need to do your <laughs> job. And it was just a strange comment in the middle of a, of a otherwise, you know, it was a puff commercial, but it, it caught my uh, ear and not in the way that they would have liked it to. I saw that puff too. Right. It was interesting. Judge Weinberg has a comment. Melissa, you're absolutely right on the politics of, of governance. She's on the defense. The problem is the people of the state of New York are paying the price for this recalcitrant, aggressive legislature. If they don't give dangerousness to the judges, they still have the laundry list of crimes where you cannot set bail. Yeah, it doesn't that. matter. Explain that to the people. They don't know what you're talking about. There's a long list of crimes where a judge may not set bail. They're bail exempt. And that long list of crimes causes judges to have no discretion to hold somebody in who's dangerous. Okay? Well, so, and, and the thing is, with, with the, ju- the point with the, what the judge is saying is every other state in the country that has gotten rid of cash bail, because a lot of other states have, including places like New Jersey, did it under Chris Christie, a Republican. It is a really, you know, it's an important reform in trying to make the justice system more fair. But, and this is a big but, in every other state in the country that has gotten rid of cash bail, they have given judges the discretion to say this individual poses a danger to society and therefore I can remand them. And, 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 and Melissa, just so we're clear, doesn't do. And we're clear that what you're saying is that 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 probably is not on the table here, that that's not going to happen. Why, that's why it's a no lose, lose, chance. lose for public yeah. safety. That is really All bad. Right. Okay. Bottom line, bad for uh, New York. Melissa DeRosa, keep us informed and let's pray for New York. Let's pray, pray for pray for uh, America. Otherwise, we're in deep crap. And New York, let's roll up the sidewalks if if we don't get the right uh, budget. Absolutely. We need to be safe, John. Bottom line. Roll up the sidewalks otherwise. Thank you, Melissa. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank thank you. you. And uh, let's stay tuned. We're going to have Lou Dobbs on the markets and what's going on in the stock market. And then Kimberly Guilfoyle. Has she got two cents to tell us? Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority PriorityGoldGuide.com. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Katz and Cosby. Word is President Trump is flying to New York Monday night to surrender on this indictment on Tuesday. And joining us now here on the show is Kimberly Guilfoyle, of course, a longtime advisor to the president and also the host of the Kimberly Guilfoyle show on Rumble. Kim, uh, this is amazing. What is your reaction, first of all? We're still trying to digest it all. 
It's, it's really unbelievable. And this DA is so politicized. He has weaponized the whole process. You know, as a former prosecutor, I took the job and the oath very seriously. And what you see here is a malicious, selective prosecution against a former president of the United States where there is no facts, no evidence, no crime committed. And instead, this guy wants to further his own career. And this is all about, you know, he's a George Soros funded uh, prosecutor. This is all about trying to affect the 2024 election because President Trump has announced that he is seeking re-election. The whole thing is so disgusting and repulsive. And you see, you know, the majority of the country all agrees, whether you're a Republican or you're a liberal independent, the polling shows the majority believe that this is a politicized prosecution, highly improper, should not happen whatsoever. And they were saying, oh, we're going to take off for two weeks. We're not going to be the grand jury. Oh, we're going to be adjourned until the end of the month. And what did we see? All of a sudden they turn around and throw this sham indictment at him. It's just it is so repulsive. But I'll tell you, the outpouring of support and calls and text messages that the whole family has received is truly remarkable. The American people are sick of this. They don't like what's happening. They've gone after Trump, as you all know, on the show, one time after the next, after the next with fake witch hunts and investigations that went nowhere. But he's stronger than this. Everyone who's on this show right now knows how strong the president is. He's not going to be broken by this. It's just going to make him stronger. This is going to backfire spectacularly against the Manhattan DA. And let me tell you something. I am so sad to see what happened in New York City. And this district attorney is not a law and order DA. It is shameful and criminal. But Dershowitz Dershowitz said that. Dershowitz says that he promised all his supporters that he was going to. He ran on it, ran out in a campaign ad, said, like, this is why I'm running for office. I mean, that alone is is you can't say I'm going to run and go after somebody. Alan said that's personally unethical all over again. Now, let me ask you an important question. Uh, You know, there seems to be uh, strategies here, but I understand that we just had some breaking news that President Trump is is flying into LaGuardia on Monday night to be ready for Tuesday. But 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 what the Democrats are looking for and I'll go to David Patterson, the former governor and state and and state uh, uh, Democratic uh, chairman. isn't that going to create at, at, at Trump Plaza another January 6th incident? Well, it could, but I I think it's too close to Friday, and it's a different type of a situation. Um, January 6th was something after a rally that had been planned for a number of weeks. Well, are they going to come and rally because they know he's going to be at Trump Tower on Monday night? Well, if there are enough of them to come and make that big a rally, I hope some of them wind up on the jury. By the way, Kimberly, uh, David Patterson said he thinks that if it goes to a jury, even in Manhattan, that they will not be able to convict. He thinks there'll still be some people. There are fair-minded people in New York City. That was his thought, how thin the case is. Yeah, listen, there is no evidence here. Um, You know, my January 6th attorney, Joe Takapina, is the lawyer for President Trump, and we put him on the case, and he's fantastic. He will win this case at trial. There's no evidence against President Trump, and this is going to really just – shine a brighter light on the politicization of the of the um, legal system, the fact that this DA knew in good conscience that he should not bring this case. So then what's going to happen when we win this case? What's going to happen to the DA? There needs to be repercussions and accountability. How is this man even fit to serve in his job 
and let alone bring this sham of a case when he's not even prosecuting any crimes in New York. He's letting violent felons out, but he's using all his resources to go after President Trump. Yeah, it is astounding. And if you look at the uh, arrest rate, just as you said, he seems to let felons walk um, and then try to create a crime that's not even a misdemeanor, barely, and pump it up to a felony. The irony, uh, he should be focused on protecting New York, Kimberly. Right. So the communities are safe. Kids can walk on the streets. Would you want to? I wouldn't walk down the street by myself in New York City. Or yeah. get on a subway? I'm I agree. Sorry, I would you. knock him. I agree. Judge Weinberg, you got a yeah. question and for Kimberly. Well, I, I want to make a point. Even on a misdemeanor, which is a two-year statute of limitations, even on a misdemeanor, where is the false filing? These internal bookkeeping entries. There is nothing filed with the government. So where's the where's the misdemeanor, let alone a felony? And even on the felony, they're trying to bootstrap it based on campaign finance law. And the f- local DA does not have jurisdiction over federal Violation. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. The whole thing is circular. It's an, it's an improper indictment, 100 percent. So they're going to go after it very aggressively to get it thrown out. But we have to rely and hope on, you know, a judge not being uh, biased. And then if not, yeah, I have more credit and faith in the people of New York City to evaluate this case for what it is, because people should be concerned if they can do this to President Trump, they can do it to any one of us. OK, and when the next person's in office or running for office, if they don't like, maybe it's a Democrat. Maybe it happens to them. Maybe it's Joe Biden. Well, I said I said to Dershowitz, you know what I said to Dershowitz? Does that mean in 50 states, any any state or any county could go after any politician? By the way, I have two words, Hunter Biden. I mean, look at all the stuff that they're looking at on Capitol Hill now with some of the bank transactions and everything. Talk about big money. Let me ask ask you a question. How much is a Hunter Biden painting worth? And how come the buyers, how come the buyers are kept secret? Yeah, we should know. Payoffs, you know, you wonder, is that a possibility? Well, if you're a local, if you're a local prosecutor, why don't you investigate that? Thousand percent. We got got one minute left. We got one minute left, Kimberly, before we go to uh, uh, President Trump's attorney. Yeah, we got your check. What do you like to say? Oh, he's the best. I just want to say, you know, thank you to the Americans out there on, you know, both sides of the aisle. This should be a bipartisan issue where we want fairness in our justice system. Uh, President Trump is really appreciative of everyone's thoughts and prayers. He's going to continue to fight because, as you know, they're really just after all of us. And he's the one standing in the way. So God bless him. He's the absolute best. And the Manhattan D.A. should be thrown out of office. And we're going to go after him as soon as we win this case. All right. Well, thank you, Kimberly. Uh, and uh, I understand breaking news. Stormy Daniels interview with Pierce Morgan postponed over security concerns. That's in, yeah, because he was promoting that he had some exclusive with Stormy Daniels. Uh, that is interesting news as why. Well. Remember, he did the interview with DeSantis, too, also recently. Kimberly Guilfoyle, New York, misses you. We hope to see you soon. Thank you so much for coming on. Love you guys. Come Love on. you, Kim. Thank you very much. And now let's go to President Trump's attorney. You heard Kimberly talking about him, Joe Tacopina. Joe, you're here with Katz and Cosby. We still have Judge Richard Weinberg. We also have Rudy Washington and also Governor David Patterson. Uh, Joe, first of all, um, we're hearing, of course, that the president is going to be flying into New York on Monday night. And then it looks like uh, the arraignment, 215 Tuesday. Is that correct? Rita, it seems that that's going to be the case. Um, you know, that's still confirmation is up in the air and all that stuff. It's a, there's a lot of involvement, obviously, with the Secret Service, and, and they're running the show, certainly not me. 
Um, but that does seem to be um, the way it's going to be. Yes. What's your reaction, Joe? Uh, I mean, we've you and I have known each other decades. I mean, this is a stunning moment. I never thought we would hear uh, former president of the United States leading candidate on the GOP side indicted, especially over something small like this. Well, in the last thing you just said, leading candidate on GOP side. So if anyone didn't think this was political before, um, you should put that to rest now. Um, that clearly is an attempt, and it's, a, it's so troubling. The whole thing is so troubling, but this is an attempt to influence an election, and, and that is what's horrifically scary. Uh, does anyone actually believe, Rita, that if someone else were accused of paying hush money, a civil settlement, which is done every day in the state, to avoid a, a public sex scandal in the matter that Donald Trump did, they would be prosecuted. Of course not. We wouldn't have enough courtrooms in this country. It's it's what was done here was absolutely outrageous. And it makes me it makes me ill. It makes me ill. The rule of law died yesterday in the United States of America. Yeah, I feel like it has really turned a corner, Joe, where the politicization of the process and it's opened a Pandora's box because I don't know if you just heard we were talking with Kimberly Guilfoyle. Yeah, just heard, the, yeah, yeah. And I said to Kimberly two words, Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, if they're going to go after President Trump for this, Hunter Biden better be really worried. <laughs> I mean, imagine. And, and I heard that the Biden family read that they got $1.7 million from a Chinese state-controlled energy company. And that money was split up between the Biden kids and Joe Biden. And, I, I, you know, it just, I, I don't understand how double standards are so accepted as long as you have the right target. You know, it, 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 and what people don't seem to understand, it really endangers all of us, not just, you know, Donald Trump. We don't like Donald Trump, so let's go find the crime. Today's Donald Trump. Tomorrow it's a Democrat. And uh, Rudy um, Washington. After that, it's, it's our cousin, our nephew, our niece, our brother. And, and that's what's scary to me. We're now using the, the justice system as a political weapon. And that is not what we ever did in this country. You're right. Whether it's Republican, Democrat, uh, Rudy Washington, you got a question for Joe Chacopina. Yeah, yeah, no more a statement. I mean, uh, Joe, you said it. I, I, I'm looking at this on a macro level, and it looks as if the rule of law is the underpinning of our country that made us great has has been eviscerated. Uh, you know, I, it goes back to looking at the Justice Department, Merrick Garland, going after parents because they were upset about critical race theory in a school board meeting. Uh, the, the fact that they want to hire 87,000 IRS agents, they're not going after billionaires. I mean, we, we, we would be talking about C-level uh, auditors up against Harvard, Yale, CPAs, and, you know, tax attorneys. It's a joke. They're not going after them. They're going after us. And now Donald Trump represent everyday man. And this battle is lost. This country is lost. I think we are on the road to totalitarianism. I, I judge what happened yeah. the other day where where uh, there was somebody testifying. They sent the IRS, the Department of Justice, no, the yeah. IRS. Matt Taibbi. Yeah, Matt Taibbi, a distinguished journalist. He's the one who got the uh, the, the tapes. And he was on Twitter. Parsed, the, Twitter on Twitter, files. the Twitter, Twitter files. files. And he let them out. He let them out. And the same day that he was dealing with that, an IRS agent went to his home. Now, what is that but intimidation by federal agents against an independent journalist? Scary. That kind of that's weaponization of the justice system. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Let's put Donald Trump aside for a second. All decent people, whether politically opposed to Donald Trump or supportive of his candidacy, should be concerned about weaponizing 
uh, the, the government, a prosecutor's office for political purposes. Now, that is what you just said was a really scary, scary notion. I mean, when you think about it, what they've admitted, a prosecutor from that office who wrote that book, Pomerantz, said they despise Donald Trump so much he would have paid to prosecute Donald Trump, which is a horrifying statement for anyone to make, let alone someone in charge with the fiduciary of a duty of being a. Well, he a, ran a, on it. He made it a campaign ad. He, he literally, you see him in the ad saying, I'm going to go get President Trump. I mean, there's no gray there. Before he knew any evidence. And at the end of the day, you have basically them picking a target and trying to find a crime. That's what they did in Nazi Germany. That's what they did in the Soviet Union. That's what they did in communist China. And it's to me, it's a horrifying thing. I feel like I, we're in 1938 right now. And if this show, if WABC doesn't do their job in telling the truth to the people, that we're yeah. in Nazi Germany in 1938 right now trying to get justice for everybody. And the world's looking at us, too, Joe. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. If, if I'm a world leader, if I'm so, China, they're laughing to the bank right, so right guys, now. Where do we leave? What country do we go to if we have to leave? Well, I mean, well, we're not you know, talking about going to Florida anymore. We're talking about leaving the whole country. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. John, John, I said this on your network earlier today, but I think it, it bears repeating because it's so powerful. And it's it's something I get goosebumps when I say, and it's not because it's a good thing to say. But I, I don't know if you remember the story of, of Martin Neymoller, but he was a, a prominent Lutheran pastor in Germany in the 1920s and 30s. And he actually sympathized with many of the Nazi ideas and, and right-wing political movements. Then Hitler came. In 1933, and then Neymuller became an outspoken critic of Hitler and his interference with the church and 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 his. And he wrote that famous poem. And it's not, well, it's not even a poem. It's a, it's a it's a quote because it, and what he said was it takes two seconds, but it's where we are now. First, they came for the socialist, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak yeah, for me. Von, Von Hoffer. That's, yeah, Von uh, Hoffer, right. Von Hoffer, I read right. his book. Uh, you guys are educated yeah. guys. Me, what yeah. am I? I'm, I'm a college dropout. Hey, I, my father fought the, my father fought the Nazis and the communist Joe, so I've seen that battle wow. before. And, wow, he, wow, and wow. He, he went to seminary school right here in New York at Columbia, and he attended church, uh, Governor, at Abyssinia. Who are you talking about? Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, really? church at, I yeah, did not Abyssinia. know that. Dietrich yes. Bonhoeffer, exactly. Dietrich One of the great yes. heroes. Yeah, you and know, I'm, uh, and not, but we are—we're almost—you uh, know—we're not that far away from the from Nazi Germany, 1938. Scary moment, you know, uh, Joe. I want to ask you not to not to break any attorney-client privilege, but how is your how is Donald Trump doing? I mean, how is he mm-hmm. handling all this? Like Donald Trump, you know. I mean, he's—you know—first there was shock. Amongst all of us, by the way, you know, yesterday the game, the game was the last game that they played was, oh, they're going to take four weeks off in the grand jury. They'll come back at the end of the month of April and we'll see what happens. And boom, 530 indictment. Um, Joe, you know, what was that about? Were they, were they playing mind games with you? I, I, I don't know what they think they were playing. But they, someone was playing a game because they had leaked to the press that the grand jury was off for four weeks, um, which wasn't obviously the case. So uh, I, I don't know what they were trying to achieve by that. But in any event. Um, I spoke to him, obviously, after being, you know, shocked, angry and disgusted by the, the fact that they were weaponizing a justice system. Um, he then got to Donald Trump vote, which is now we're going to fight. Let's go. Let's let's, you know, tighten our belts and let's get going because we are going to fight tooth and nail this case um, and win it in the courts. And whether it's in 
the, the first stage, second stage, or the third stage, this case will be won. And rule of law, to the degree it can be restored, will be restored. You know, the only problem with that is, is once you stretch the rule of law to pursue a, a, an opponent, it's often hard to get that rule of law back to its original shape. And that's the only thing I'm concerned about here. But, but ultimately, we will prevail in this case. I mean, they have a case based on the most flawed legal theory I've ever heard. There was no campaign law finance violation at all. I mean, that's FEC officials have said that, and that's what the statutes say. Then, you know, you, you, you take the fact that all this was done properly with personal funds because we had a personal resolution of a personal civil claim, um, not campaign funds like John Edwards did years and years ago. Um, and, and, you know, here we are, he's, he's being charged. So it's something that we need to be concerned about, really. And, and the, based on that case off of Michael Cohen, and I don't need to go into who Michael Cohen is. We all know. I mean, he's a pathological liar, yep. convicted perjurer, um, someone who lied to banks, to the IRS, to Congress. And he was like a Cheshire cat today, by the way, uh, you know, smiling uh, ear to right. ear. Isn't, isn't he great? He's selling his books. I mean, he is, he is, look, for me, he's a dream come true as a, as a cross-examiner. Um, for a prosecutor, he's a nightmare. And by the um, way, you know, and by he, the way, you are a great attorney. Uh, President Trump is lucky to have you by his side. Um, and we're going to be uh, talking to you every step of the way, Joe. We really I'll appreciate be you being here. Thank you. Thank you, you so much. And thank uh, you for giving me the opportunity to speak on your, keep, on your always, fighting, always fighting. Joe uh, Tacopina, we'll thank you so much. And uh, let's take a break and we're going to come back and have a, a, a serious discussion between our panel and, uh, and Rita. Yeah, you bet. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back. back. Wow. We're back. I'm, wow. I'm trying what to take show. in Joe Tacopina and, and Kimberly Guilfoyle. And by the way, thank God it's Friday. My God, we need a day off on Saturday <laughs> or something. Because uh, by Sunday night when President Trump comes down to uh, in LaGuardia Airport, oh, my God. Yeah, Monday night he comes in, and then you just heard Joe Tacopina said it looks like it's going to be Tuesday afternoon. That's what he's sort of hearing. Uh, and Rudy, you have a question, Rudy, Rudy Washington. What, what's going on? Reader and, and John, um, is, is the president going to get a fair hearing in our media? Oh, that's interesting. In the public forum. In the saying. public forum. Uh, well, Judge? Has he gotten one since the day he went down the escalator at uh, the Trump building? No. Announced the president? Has he ever gotten a fair hearing from Never. the mass Never. media? And I'm well, embarrassed as a member of the media. I, I, They have gone so disproportionately tough on him. And then all they do is ask about ice cream with Biden. Governor? Well, I think that President Trump has a huge opportunity to win the Republican nomination based on what's happened in this case. His opponents can't speak against him right now. So as much as... You know, he's being painted as how he's been beaten down. I think he's completely ahead of everyone else right now. Now, yeah, John, what I about agree. the other cases? How does that stand now? Because if this falls and collapse, bringing another indictment in another state, I don't think they care. You heard what Dershowitz said. They can bring indictments in 49 states or 50 and states. And he could be in jail even still running for president. Well, <laughs> well they're pushing for violence in this country. Well, That's guys. The sad part. Have a great weekend. And what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America. We need God's blessing. Otherwise, we are in deep crapper. Now more than ever. Yes.